Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse, and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery. And I'd love to share with you about these phases, what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com slash checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. More importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant. For those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007 and am the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage in recovery from sexual abuse. I work with survivors who are sick and tired of feeling broken and unfixable, and I help them break free of the pain of abuse and move on with their lives. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at www.rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, we are um, in good company today. 
I have here with me my guest, Emily Samuelson, who's going to be sharing with us about soaring above the ashes, thriving beyond childhood sexual abuse. So you can tell just by the title of the work she does how excited I am <laughs> to have her here. We have a lot in common. And uh, when I was introduced to Emily, I immediately um, was like, yes, got to have you on the show, got to have you talking about this. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Emily before I bring her on. She's a psychologist and has worked with survivors of trauma, children, adolescents, and adults for over 35 years. She uses movement, EMDR, tapping, and interactive guided imagery to offer hope to survivors. And as a part of that journey of supporting survivors and guiding them, she began a very interesting project. It was an oral history photography project that was all about shedding the shame of sexual abuse. And she had no idea that it was going to lead her to talk about her own story in her book and about the healing journey uh, toward thriving. So I'm really looking forward to having Emily on and hearing more about her journey and her story, as well as this amazing project um, that she's been developing. So Emily, welcome. <laughs> so here we are together, and um, I can so relate to starting off in one place and thinking mm -hmm. it was going to look and be one thing, and right. then, uh-oh, here it is. Uh, yeah, uh-oh is right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely was not planning on uh, things going in the direction they went in, that's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. take us back to the beginning. You know, how did this project even get started? What made you want to do this project? Um, well, a weird thing happened when I was walking my dog one night and this phrase came into my head, soaring above the ashes, and I had no idea what it was about or what it was related to or where it was coming from. It just popped in my head. And from that began the idea of what it means to rise above painful experiences and mm -hmm. I was working as a therapist, which I'm still doing, working as a therapist at the time with a lot of survivors who were really mired in the pain of their abuse, and for good reason, but it was hard for them to feel any hope. So I thought maybe it would be interesting to meet with people who have um, experienced sexual abuse, done a whole lot of work to heal, and are past the survivor stage and really are thriving Mm -hmm. and feeling more fully empowered and more present in the world and um, carrying less of a burden of shame and pain. So I began trying to find people who would be willing to be interviewed and also photographed. I felt that it was really, really important that the project be about shame and shedding the shame, which to me is one of the greatest burdens that survivors carry. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. I were, would be able to find people who would tell their stories, give their names, show their faces, that that might help other people feel more empowered and maybe help people feel that they weren't alone and that they might be able to step forward and share their secrets with a trusted other person. Mm -hmm. So that's how it got started. Um it took me a long time to find people. 
this was back in the, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. It's been such a long project, but this was back in the um, late 90s that I started. And back then, nobody was talking about thriving. It was all about surviving, and it was all about pain. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was really hard to find people who would be willing to come forward. But I networked like crazy, and I found people. Eventually, I found people around the country. So I got on a plane with my camera and tape recorder and met with people and interviewed them and photographed them. And um, what happened in the process of doing this is that I started to feel like a real fraud. I Mm. wanted to hide behind my title and just be the psychologist who was interested in studying this subject. But in fact, I was the subject too. Mm -hmm. And after meeting so many people who were so brave and forthright and open and honest about their struggles and their healing, um, I decided that I had to be honest too. And I started to come out to the people I interviewed and that led me to writing essays in the book between the interview chapters um, where I talk about my own story of healing from incest. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man, Emily, I love that. And what, um, you know, what I love about the project being over a span of years is that um, it really does tell a story of how the, um, the story of survivors is even changing from decade, you know, that exactly as you say, you know, this idea of thriving and as I talk about it beyond surviving, it's the same idea. Um, It's, you know, it it really wasn't a part of the dialogue for so many years, for so many survivors. And Mm -hmm. thank goodness that our, that things have evolved. But I love that your, your book kind of begins in that place and has been able to, to span that time. And also maybe that in the spanning of that time that it did create that opportunity for you. Right. <laughs> to end up going, yeah. oh, yeah, like my story needs to be in here too. Yeah. And um, Yeah, that was definitely, uh, that was a process. And that, yeah. that took me a while to get to that place. And, yeah. What did you find was like uh, when, when you when you approached people to to tell their stories? Oh, and by the way, I'm going to take your picture. What were some of the um, reactions that you got to that that maybe surprised you or that you weren't expecting? Well, I wasn't expecting people to be so open and ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I found once I found people, um, the people that I found said, "Sure, come on out, let's talk." And I I found really remarkable people. I like to say they're, you know, they're all ordinary people that we know, you know, through our lives. You know, they're they're just ordinary people, but they're also extraordinary mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. what they've been able to do. And um, they wow. were amazingly open with me. Um, mm-hmm. I feel really honored that people told me their stories. Uh, yeah, yeah. From, you know, for some people it was um, it's interesting. People who always had their memories started talking about their childhoods and uh, what happened in their lives mm-hmm. as a result of their abuse, and then what they did to heal. And the people who didn't have any memories until they were older, um, those people start 
at the time when they first got their memories. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. then the story would unfold from there. Mm. I love that. And, um, you know, in my journey as a, a coach and um I remember one day a friend said to me, you know, do you think the people who've gone through your program would do like video testimonials or, you know, and talk about their experience? I, I, no, there's no way they're going to do that. That's like so vulnerable. And, yeah. Oh, man. And I'm glad that I have a friend who, you know, kind of ignores me a lot and mm-hmm. says, no, no, you just need to ask. Yeah. <laughs> because in that moment, she had so much more faith in the, you know, than I had. And I, too, have been just so um, wowed by the strength, the power, the beauty, the vulnerability that survivors mm-hmm. are willing to exhibit, especially from that place of I want my story to serve someone else. Exactly. That's That's so much what it's about for people. If I can do something that will turn my suffering into um, help, for someone else, it's mm-hmm. I, w- I want to do it. Yeah, and yeah. all the people I met were really invested in helping other people through mm. their own experience and sharing, you know, sharing themselves as a way of helping other people heal. Right, so absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I know, like one of the things that I've heard over and over again, and that has certainly helped me in my journey is is when I've heard from other survivors about what they've been through. Mm-hmm. And in in them talking about, like, how they survived and, and what was really up for them and the behaviors they had to deal with that they got over. And um, and I know that there, there there's something in there about, you know, them telling their stories in this book that's similar. And, it, and it's almost like a way of them honoring and naming the journey that can be a benefit to others. And mm-hmm. I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about – you know, the idea of how um, these defenses that we have used in our lives to survive, to get by during oh, okay. that stage of survival, um, yeah. you know, tell, what do you think um, the purpose is around honoring that instead of maybe blaming oh, or wow. shaking ourselves yeah. for that? Uh, I'm so glad you asked me that. I think none of us would have survived if we didn't have protection, internal protection, um, since we didn't have protection on the outside and were so vulnerable as kids, mm-hmm. um, we don't have any protection against abuse. We can't stop it from happening. Um, we can't tell the adult that it's against the law and that we're going to report it. We, you know, we, some of us, right. most of us can't even talk at all. And um, for for people to be able to get through childhood to adulthood, I think the best way, and, and I think probably the only way to protect ourselves is internally through our psychological defenses. And I began to see them more as survival skills. And one of the chapters in my book is called A Shout Out to My Survival Skills because <laughs> I realized I was always um, honoring my and trying to help them recognize what, um, how helpful these things were, even if they were, they didn't seem helpful on the surface, but that ultimately they were helpful in getting them to a place uh, to where they could do their healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized, well, I wasn't really honoring mine. So 
um, rather than being ashamed of what we did to survive, I think it's time to celebrate it. Yeah. And oh, man. That's, you know, that's, to me, you know, I, I look at the defenses I had, like, um, well, dissociation was one of the biggest for me because I didn't have my memories. I didn't get them till I was 39. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. dissociation helped keep it all in deep freeze right. until I was ready, um, even though I didn't feel like I was ready, but evidently I was ready to get my memories and and hunker down and do the hard work of healing. So dissociation, for example, was one right. that was really helpful for me. And I know for some people, dissociation takes a different form. It it keeps them um, their kind of their feelings separate or kind of their feelings in deep freeze. And it's really superb protect, protection. It's kind of like a shot of Novocaine to the heart. And right. it takes a while before people are ready to open up to the to all the different feelings they have, but by keeping them in um, in suspended animation somehow, that that serves them. You know, even if yeah. people had to use drugs or alcohol, I mean, it it numbed them to feelings that were too overwhelming. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't I don't recognize these um, all of these things as healthy and um, you know, something that I endorse for everyone and think, oh, everybody should become an alcoholic. But I do no? recognize... No, Emily, that's not no, what you're recommending so. today? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just making sure. Just wanted to make sure. Right, right. right. But the people who did, it yeah. really, it served them. It exactly. got them to a place where yeah. they could finally get sober and and yeah. get ready to do the work they had to do. And... Yeah, you know, what I love about that is, um, you know, when we honor, you know, the journey that we've been on instead of shaming ourselves or making ourselves bad or wrong for it, it does create even more opportunity to step forward and to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a little bit of that tricky space of like, well, these things actually served me, but now they're not. And now I've got exactly. to let them go. I've got to set them down. And that can be tricky. That can be mm-hmm. a process. And mm-hmm. um, But it really does open that door to thriving. And I'd love to hear your definition of that. You know, everybody has kind of a different take on what it means to be thriving after abuse. How mm-hmm. how would you describe that? What would you say are some of the key, like, traits or, um, of a thriving survivor? I think it has to do with, being able to love, being able to love others and being able to love oneself enough to set boundaries, to make choices actively, making choices about how they want to live their lives. Um, For a lot of people, I think thriving is about finding meaningful work. And um, But I always keep getting back to keeping one's heart open mm-hmm. and um, being able to experience pain but get through it and move beyond it. That that's, mm-hmm. to me, what thriving is about. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the people that I've met, 
they're all different and they do different things in the world and they have different personalities, but but everybody has a kind of centeredness and a sense of themselves as powerful in the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of empowerment is so important for thriving and to be able to make conscious choices instead of being driven by unconscious forces or or fear. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were able to feel the fear but go ahead and do what they needed to do anyway. And I think that's another sign of thriving. Beautiful. Man, so cool. So for everybody listening, you know, two things that I hope you're you're getting from this part of our conversation is one, everything you've done to date has got you through. And it's okay. And there's this, you know, next step. There's this next place for you to arrive at. And, you know, I think folks like Emily and I, we love that opportunity to walk alongside survivors to bring them into the fold of thriving, (laughs) you know. And um, it's such a powerful journey. And I know you talk about it a little bit like a hero's journey. What do you mean by that? Why, Why do you talk about it in that way? Well, the hero's journey in in mythology um, has to do with um, descending into a labyrinth inside, to a really deep place inside, and or facing something very fearsome out in the world and growing through that process. So for me, when people go inside and reach the source of their wounds and face their fears and grieve their losses and um, find the courage to confront what was done to them, the process of unfolding is that it parallels the hero's journey. I mean, at, at first with the hero, there's something that calls them to take action or to move in a certain direction. And um, for a lot of people, you know, it, mm. it can be simple daily things like it could be reading a memoir that kind of cracks someone open to their memories or seeing something on Oprah or hearing something on the news. Or for a lot of, a lot of people, I find that when their child becomes the age at which they were first abused, that that kind of cracks them open. Um, to right. a lot of feelings about their abuse or or beginning to get the memories of their abuse and there's a there's a time after waking up where there's this refusal that happens that happens in the mythic journey this uh, I'm not going to go there. Forget it. Let me, let me <laughs> oh, yeah. channels here. Yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> Nothing to but see this, here. Nothing's yeah. going on. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, and of course, it's perfectly natural. It makes perfect sense. But then something else keeps pulling people down the path of healing. Uh-huh. And sometimes they're lucky enough to meet a mentor who can guide, help guide them or kind of be a cheerleader um, as they take their first steps. Um, moving into the special world, they call it the special world and the hero's journey, but it's you know maybe moving inside to some of the painful memories and um, going through various tests of one's strength and courage and creativity and 
realizing who are our allies and who are our enemies. And that can be a really devastating part of the journey for people when um, they expect family to be supportive to find out at times that family isn't supportive or friends say, what are you making such a big deal about it? That was a long Mm -hmm. time ago. You know, those kinds of things that get in the way, get in the path or tremendous fear that stops people in their tracks. But somehow people find the will from inside to keep on going and face what they need to face. And when they emerge from a period of kind of falling apart and traveling through their pain to get to the other side, they come back with some kind of gift. And that's one thing that happens in the hero's journey as well. And the gifts aren't necessarily big showy things. They can be things like um, having newborn wisdom or developing greater compassion creating something, an artistic creation, or starting an advocacy organization, or or even just being more authentic in a way that encourages other people to be more genuine. Um, a lot of people I, I met uh, started out silenced, but they, they emerged with really powerful voices and right. became, right. Um, you know, speakers and and represented groups of people and, you know, spoke in front of the media and they'd gone like one one man i interviewed talked about how he had been afraid when he was standing in the line in dunkin donuts when it came his turn that he had to order a donut he would get so anxious he'd have to step out of line and when he got his memories he got a phone call from an attorney who was working with uh, a group of survivors this was um in uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts, where Father Porter had abused a lot of ch- tremendous number of children, mm-hmm. and he had been abused as well, and suddenly got his memories. And the attorney said, "Are you willing to talk to people?" And he said, "Sure." And then within minutes, there's the CNN truck, and ABC and NBC, <laughs> and all these news organizations. And he said he stepped out. You know, he stepped out on his deck and. There they were on his patio, and there they were, and he spoke and mm. became a spokesperson for the group of people. Wow. He was interviewed That's by amazing. Diane Sawyer, you know, nice. the famous journalist. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's, you know, he really emerged with a powerful voice, and that was his gift to share, that he could right. be a spokesperson for other people as well. Um, oh, you know, I love that. There are all gifts that we discover. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that and kind of breaking it down. And I think it really does capture so beautifully, like, what us survivors go through. And I love also how the writing of this book is almost like your own, like, mini hero's journey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Similar, yes, like, it's really similarities true. And yeah. what a gift to emerge yeah. with, you know, this beautiful book. Um, which, by the way, folks, the name of the book is Soaring Above the Ashes, the Stories and Portraits of childhood sexual abuse and you're going to have to hold I mean you know I'm kind of being really unfair to you all today because I'm telling you about this amazing book but it's not yet out 
So, Emily, <laughs> right. tell us when it's going to be out, and how can people who are interested in being on the wait list and being notified when it's available, um, what should they do? Oh, okay. Um, I'm hoping that it will be out by January of 2017. I'm crossing my fingers. I've, okay. It's, <laughs> the, the, the book's finished. I've got a little bit of work to do in the photos, and um, then it needs to be printed. And once it's printed, it'll be it'll live out in the world. Um, the best way I think for people to um, get on a waiting list, or for me to let them know when the book is published and how they can get it, would be to email me. But to put something in the heading, the subject line, so I'll know, you know, that it's what they're asking. So okay. I know to Fantastic. check the email. Yeah. Yes, and um, I'll make sure I send an email and make sure I get on that list because when this book is out, I want to make sure I put it on my resources list. Great. Um, so you can email Emily at ssamuelson01 at comcast.net. So that's S? No, it's it's just Samuelson. Oh, Samuelson. Okay, I have yeah. two S's here. Yeah. So never mind. Oh, Redo okay, it, that buddy. was my mistake. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. So Samuelson01 at com- comcast.net. So S-A-M-U-E-L-S-O-N-0-1 at comcast.net. And this beautiful gift that you are putting out into the world, Emily, what is your hope? For this, you know, how, what would you be most pleased um, to have happen with this this gift that, and this book that you've created? If the book inspires people to step forward and share their secret, mm-hmm. or to speak up more about what's happened to them. Because every time a survivor um, shares his or her history, I think it really begins to change the world. It's really a political act, Mm -hmm. and it's an act of liberation. And I think, you know, we need to educate the public. And when we're real-life people sharing it with other real-life people, I think it has a lot more impact than just reading about the statistics which are horrifying, as you know. Right. But when it's a real-life person, I think it has greater impact. So I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that people will be able to identify with uh, the diverse group of men and women in the book and that they might see themselves at, oh, I'm I'm at this stage, and wow, isn't that exciting? I'm I'm looking forward to moving to this one. Right. <laughs> and to kind yeah. of identify at different places. And um, what I did when I when I sought people was I, I, I got a diverse group, um, racially and ethnically and religiously and socially diverse group of men and women, and they also had different paths of healing. And right. they were abused by different kinds of perpetrators and... Um, not that I could get a complete rainbow of, you know, all the the variations there are, but I wanted to get enough variation that people, you know, different people would be able to relate to, to sure. um, some, you know, different people um, who told their stories. Awesome. So that's my hope. I mean, of course, my my secret fantasy is that one day there'll be a survivor's march on Washington, D.C. 
That's oh, my secret wow. wish, that oh all the activists and the allies and survivors will come together and say something has to be done mm-hmm. about this scourge yeah. on our children. You know, something mm-hmm. has to be done to protect the children. And I know it's just a fantasy, but you never know. Sometimes You never know. I mean, given how far we've come from back in the day when nobody would even talk about it. Right, um, right. You know, we've made progress, and yes, there is more to do, um, but, I, but, but I agree. Um, you know, it is an epidemic, and if this were measles or something like that, the government would be on it. And so, you know, we do the best we can every day to continue to raise awareness and push things forward. And I hope for that day, too. I share in that vision, Emily. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Really impactful. And, and, you know, each, you know, every little contribution adds up, I believe, to that, that potentially happening one day. And I absolutely see the work that you're doing, both in your practice and as a artist. Um, here in this book uh, as being a part of that um, tapestry. So my thanks to you both for that, for the beautiful work you do, and just for being here today and sharing yourself with us. I've so enjoyed um, just talking with you and and learning more. And for everybody who has been listening, again, you can reach Emily at Samuelson01 at Comcast.net. And you can also check out uh, more about this project at soaringproject.com and um, any final final words or final thoughts for the day, Emily? Well, first I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. I get really excited when I talk about it, so it's really nice to get to share um, some of what this process has been about. And I, I guess I want to invite survivors to um, find people they feel safe enough to um, disclose to because it really does change the world brings the mm-hmm. issue into the light educates other people and in a way it's a way of defying our abusers and shedding a layer of shame when we step forward into the light mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I you know, want to encourage people to find safe people that they can do that with absolutely absolutely yeah. I second that. And um and for everybody here today, I just hope that you've been encouraged and um and I thank you for tuning in and joining us. And don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and to explore the other free resources that are available on the site. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast because we have so much more to share. So, until next time, take good care of you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.